Well, Chiefs Kingdom, it's Victory Monday, an ugly Victory Monday, but your Kansas City Chiefs got the dub as they advance to 10-3. and We're going to talk about the game, so with that being said, I'd like to welcome you all to the Keem Connect Podcast. This is a Kansas City Chiefs podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Lupartis, certified health and performance consultant. I hope Chiefs Kingdom is doing very well today. We're recording this episode on Monday, December 12th, and it's episode 51 of the podcast. Hope you guys have all been enjoying. Um, you can go ahead and follow me on all my social media platforms, which is Twitter or Instagram at Big EKC. That's Big EKC. Then you could follow the uh, podcast only on Instagram um, as far as social media goes, and that is just Kingdom Connect. And then you could follow this podcast and like this podcast on all your audio platforms, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, Google Podcast, or here on Anchor. So um, hope you guys have been liking my uh, show, and we're going to go ahead and get on with this episode. Um, the final score was 34-28, to your Kansas City Chiefs win over the Denver Broncos. It was an ugly game. Um, you got to take the wins how they come. It was a divisional win, but it's one of those things where it's just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Now, you have the Denver Broncos again here in a couple weeks. I believe that we will win that game. And when we win that game, we would have swept the Broncos and have already swept the Chargers. We got our last game against the Raiders, at, you know, last game of the year. That game honestly worries me because we are trying to fight to get the one seed back. Um, and I'm again, I'm going to review this game that we just played, but I'm trying to make a point here. That last game of the season worries me because I know the Raiders aren't really that good of a team, but Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, if unless one of them are sitting, you know, both of them are sitting because at the end of the day, it's like, what do you have to, you know, what are you playing for by that point? But if they're playing and they're really, really trying out there, I can see a situation where, you know, it, their game, you know, against us on Monday night was close at home. And I can see a situation where we're at their house and it's it's a back-and-forth game. Now, it's not like it's something that's going to kick us out of the playoffs or, you know, prevent us from winning the division. But, you know, you drop that game and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you with seeding going into the playoffs, especially if you're trying to regain the one seed back. I'm not saying we're going to lose to the Raiders at the end of the year. Just you got to you got to really, really focus on that one when it comes to it. Anyways, back to the point. We had the opportunity of locking up the division officially last night, but the Chargers won, uh, won their game. So we still have to keep fighting, even though we pretty much have it locked up, like I said. But this went over the Denver Broncos. It was it was an ugly game. It wasn't like that at first, but. I, I don't know if this team likes to play with the lead. I, I don't I don't know. They have yet to convince anybody pretty much since the Super Bowl winning year that they enjoyed playing with the lead. Because even in the 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 the, the run it back year when we went back to the Super Bowl, I mean if you consider all those games, we were playing close in pretty much all of them. Yeah, we ran through the season, but we played close in every single one of those games. So, other than 2018 when Mahomes took over and the year we won the Super Bowl, you know, we haven't been we don't blow teams out like that, you know. I mean, we we do, we'll put up big numbers, but then you're turning around and giving up big numbers. And most games don't feel like they're one like you know, a lot of them are won convincingly. I mean, I think that the 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 Bucks game was won convincingly. The 49ers game was won convincingly uh, this year. But a game like yesterday, it, it just was one of those games. And I understand it's a divisional opponent. I'm not I'm not trying to take it away from that fact. But the Denver Broncos suck. They fucking suck. 
and for the fact that you allowed them to be the way they were yesterday, it worries me. It really, really, really worries me, especially going into the playoffs. You can't be like that. Once you have the lead, you have to maintain the lead. You have to keep going for the jugular. But it's like this team, either A, if they're playing with the lead, they're going to let the team come back because they want they want that little bit of that pressure. Or they'll, let the, they'll spot a team 21 points and then they'll decide they want to start playing right and coming, coming back. You know, it may be cool from like storytelling and this and that, but come on. Man, you're giving this fan base a fucking heart attack for crying out loud. It's It's crazy. I would say that's probably the biggest, biggest thing that I, you know, I have taken away from this game other than, you know, you know, the actual details that came from it. I give this game a a D the game grade. I give it a D. I mean, we won. That's the only thing that's keeping it from being an F. There were some great things, but the fact that the matter is the way that it turned out, you, you, you can't, you can't be proud of it. You, You can't be proud of it at all. My game ball. Now, this was tough. I wanted, I really, really wanted it to give it to this guy. Because I think he balled, he balled the fuck out yesterday. He did. I really, really wanted to give this ball to Jarek McKinnon. Because he had over 100 receiving yards. He was good in the run game, too. Good out in space. Was good at block, you know, pass pro. Him and, him and Pacheco are the perfect one-two punch, in my opinion, right now. I'm not going to give it to McKinnon, although he balled out and he deserve, you know, would deserve it in most people's eyes. But I'm going to give it to Trey Smith. I think Trey Smith had his best game, you know, I'm not going to say as a chief, but he had his best game all year yesterday. You know, he was just mauling people left and right. That play that he did, you know, he mauled, um, oh, who was it? He mauled uh, I, uh, Justin Simmons. That was that was crazy. I'm trying to remember what specific play it was on. Um, let me see if I can find that play real quick. Let me see if I can find that. But anyways, no, I give the ball to, you know, the game ball to Trey Smith. He was mauling guys left and right yesterday. And, you know, that's what you want. I mean, I think that with him, he was a little shaken up in the beginning of the year, kind of was, you know, struggling. He had that ankle injury that he was trying to recover from. Um, Sorry, my laptop is being extremely slow as of right now, so I, I can't really click on anything. I, I saw the video on Twitter, so I'm, that's where I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up from. Well, maybe I need to just go to my profile. That's probably what I need to do. I'm mainly on Twitter on my um, phone, so doing it on my laptop is still somewhat weird to me. Okay. Um, okay, I, let me see. I'm just going to probably have to type in his name. Usually if you find it, I'm not trying to stall you guys out. You, I don't want you guys just listening to silence. Okay. Okay, yep. It was, uh, one of Jarek McKinnon's, uh, yep, it was a screen. Yep, it was a screen. Sorry. I hope you guys didn't hear that in the back. Yep, it was a screenplay to Jarek McKinnon. which was phenomenal. Like I said, McKinnon had a phenomenal game yesterday, but I had to give I had to give it to um 
Trey Smith just because of how that went down. I mean, he was all over the place yesterday. All over the place. And that screenplay, I mean, if you see the actual, you know, hit on, uh, I keep wanting to say Isaiah Simmons, but Justin Simmons, um, it was a huge thud. Now, I granted, that's a guard going up against a safety. So, I mean, the safety is really not going to win on that. And, and besides, you can't you can't cut Lyman's legs anymore. So, um, kind of unfair in that moment. Uh, but I advise you guys to go back and look up the play. It was a screenplay to Jarek McKinnon. Trey Smith was was just a monster on it. Um, but yeah, no, that was the game ball. Now let's kind of get into the big takeaways of the game. Like I said, this team just kind of hates playing with the lead. I don't understand why. Um, I think this, you know, I, I think we have to question this coaching and I've heard it from a lot of other, you know, podcast shows. They've, you know, have all kind of said it. Um, and I've I've heard it you know, from Matt Verram a lot. I've heard it from uh, guys from All Chiefed Up. I've heard it from you know guys off of um, RGR. It's it's the same. It's kind of the same frustrations, and and it comes with the coaching. You love our coaches because of what they have done. Andy Reid is going to be in the Hall of Fame. He is. He has won so many games with another organization, took him to where he took him, and then obviously he he's done what he's done here and what he's continuing to do here so far. But there are times where you're just like, Andy, what are you doing, dude? Like, is this old man stubbornness? What is this? It's like... You know you have the best player in the world, so you feel like I, I can just kick my feet back and it, it don't matter. I'm sorry. That doesn't work that way. Because look what happened yesterday when you do that. It's just like, it's like it's, he doesn't, it's like sometimes you're like, where's the adjustments? I mean, they adjust, but sometimes it takes them forever to do it. Or sometimes it feels like they never did it. And it sometimes makes you wish that you had a younger coach because maybe if you had a younger coach mentality, maybe they, maybe him and Mahomes can be a little bit more on that closer mindset level where it's like, okay, we're going to do it this way or you know that way or just being more just logical to the game in the moment. If that's really what it comes down to. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how old the coach go is. But it's just like, man, you you see a lot of it in these older coaches. It's just stubbornness at times. And Spagnolo's the same way. The defensive coordinator is the same fucking way. He has a stubbornness to him. And, you know, I, I'm not going to throw Eric Bieniemy into this. I'm not, I can't, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't play a role because he does. And he, he does have part that he does have fault because he is a part of the offensive game plan. But... This is Andy's playbook. These are his plays. It's his calls. EB, people think that Eric Bieniemy is the legitimately the one who's in the playbook and calling the plays. No, he has the exact same play sheet that Andy Reid is looking at. What Andy Reid is reading to Eric Bieniemy and telling Eric Bieniemy to say, he's literally telling Eric Bieniemy, this is the play I want. Eric Bieniemy finds that play on his play sheet, relays it to Pat. Eric Bieniemy is just the middleman at the end of the day. I'm not saying that he doesn't have suggestions and says, hey, what do you think on this? What do you think on that? But for the fact that matters that people out there who still consistently think that Eric Bieniemy is the one who's fucking calling plays is dead wrong. You're dead wrong. You've been wrong. You've been wrong this entire time. Andy Reid has called plays from day one. It didn't matter if Doug Peterson was there. It didn't matter if Matt Nagy was there. It didn't matter for that one year with Brad Childress. It didn't fucking matter. It was Andy Reid the entire time. And Biennemi, the last four or five years, has been the same guy that he has been since day one. Give me the plays, coach, so I can give it to our fucking quarterback. But it's just sometimes it's coaching, man. You just you don't understand like where the mentality goes. Sometimes it's like, 
oh my god, he's a fucking genius. But then it's like, um, sometimes you're like, dude, what are you doing here? It's so frustrating. And sometimes, like I said, it makes you wish, like, what if we had something different in place? Would it be different? I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. If Andy Reid decides to retire, I know some people say, hey, Nagy should take over. Some people want Eric Bieniemy should take over. You know what? Fuck that. You know who I want to head coach this team next year? Or not next year. If Andy Reid decides to move on, I want Mike Vrabel. I want Mike Vrabel. You know why I want Mike Vrabel? Because you know why? He still thinks like a player at most of the time. And he's a great defensive-minded coach. And maybe if you gave Mahomes an elite, elite fucking defense and he had an offense that was middle of the pack but not super high caliber all the fucking time and not top-heavy in a lot of places, I think we would probably win more championships and that's just my personal opinion you can fight me on that all you want but you know what Vrabel still kind of you know what he's a younger coach but he still kind of thinks somewhat old school he's gonna run and pound the ball when you need to run and pound the ball and he's gonna do it logically and at the right moments and He's obviously going to think defensively, and he's going to have that defensive defenses uh, right. Now, the only thing that I would say that has always haunted Mike Vrabel in his past is has always been his secondary. He hasn't always had a strong secondary. I think that um, he's always produced good fronts, um, but the secondary has kind of been his issue. And I think that if he if he were to be I'm just hypothetically speaking here. If he were to be this, uh, you know, a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, some form of assistant coach or head coach, whatever, he would have this defense right. He would. And they wouldn't be blowing leads like the way, and they wouldn't be blowing leads all the damn time. They wouldn't be a bend but don't fucking break defense. That's the problem with this. That's the problem with this team is that, it's always been a bend but don't break situation. So annoying. So annoying. All right, another takeaway. Is this is this team in uh oh sorry. Back on the Mike Vrabel situation. That that right there is just just a guy that I would want to be a candidate if he were to lose his job with Tennessee, which I don't ever see happening anytime soon, and if Andy uh were to retire. That would be my preferable choice at head coach. Um. Anyways, is this team good enough to make? Uh, is this team good enough for the playoffs? They're gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna be in the playoffs. But is this team good enough to survive in the playoffs? That game yesterday didn't convince me whatsoever. That game right there. That game right there gave me AFC Championship vibes, where Mahomes was just fucking around too much doing doing dumb stuff making bad decisions turning the ball over taking you know you know I don't I think he I think he got I don't know if he got sacked I can't know if he got sacked um uh, let me look at their nope nope their defense didn't produce one sack oh nope they they did get they got one on they got one on pat so that's the you know that's the biggest thing is that this team does the dumbest things all the damn time sometimes and sometimes and it makes you hate them you love this team but it makes you hate them and so my question is are they good enough for the playoffs as of right now they haven't convinced me they haven't they haven't felt like a team that has peaked at the right time where it's like, okay, this this team is going to go through the playoffs and they're going to dominate Cincinnati. They're going to dominate Buffalo. Yes, the teams that we lost to in the play in the regular season, the Super Bowl winning year, we end up beating them in the playoffs. But if you don't get the one seed back, you're going to have to see Buffalo and most likely Cincy too. So... It's gonna kind of it's gonna kind of come down to how how well you play these next four weeks. Travis Kelsey eclipsed uh, ten thousand yards. That was awesome. Um, he's now on the list with Tony Gonzalez. He needs about like five thousand and like 
30 or 40-something-odd yards just to surpass him. It could happen if he plays another three or four years and keeps doing what he's doing. Um, Yeah, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Antonio Gates, Shannon Sharp, uh, Jason Witten, and Travis Kelsey are now the top five tight ends ends with uh, 10,000 or more receiving yards. So that was awesome for him. He's now have, he now has his seventh, um, thousand yard season back to back straight, you know, straight seven straight thousand yard seasons. If he gets three more thousand yards in like 10 straight thousand yard seasons, that's going to be fucking ridiculous. This dude is, he's going to basically make it so impossible. Like, like Brady has with Super Bowl wins. He's going to make it so fucking impossible to the catch if he ends up surpassing, you know, Tony in yards or maybe get, you know, with the consecutive, mainly with the consecutive thousand yard seasons. He's already made that kind of hard to pass because, you know, he keeps breaking his own record every year. I mean, he, it was four and then he broke it with it was four. He broke it with five and then he broke it again with six and then he broke it again and just now again with seven. So, um, and guys, I am recording this game uh, during the Monday night uh, football game. I believe is the Cardinals and Patriots. I really have no interest into this game whatsoever. Both teams aren't playing for any. Well, Patriots, they kind of are. I mean, they can if they want out. I mean, I don't know. They're six and six. So if they if they went out, they can honestly have an opportunity to still make the playoffs. But that's just if. Um, but anyways, that's, we're not, we're not about the Patriots. This is a Kansas City Chiefs podcast and let's actually get on to the official game stuff. Um, off starting with offense. Like I said, the offense started strong. Um, they were rolling, they were rolling. That first drive was good other than it stalled with the Browns penalty and then they had to settle for field goal. Um, but man, they were, they were driving. The one thing I will say is our red zone offense still sucks. And I, I think that says something when you don't have Hardman here. You know, a lot of fans are really, really wanting Hardman back. I want Hardman back. We need Hardman back. He is our end-around guy. He's our jet sweep guy. He was our goal line guy. And Clyde was the same way, too. Clyde was a goal line guy. He was good at finding the end zone in the goal in the um, red zone. And our red zone offense has been pretty down. Um, since those guys have been, you know, out now, I love Pacheco, love McKinnon, but I'm just saying like Clyde was good when he got down to the goal line. Um, cause you know, he's short, he can find it pretty easy. Uh, and you know, Hardman had that speed to find on those end rounds and those jet sweeps. Now they're starting to use sky on some of those sweeps, but they'll do one play with him a game and then they'll stop and that's it. They'll stop. And I don't understand why, why they do it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and I think that was that one end around that that was like for seven yards with Sky Moore. So, uh, they need to get that red zone offense fixed. I believe they will once they get those guys back. Mahomes was feeding people. He was dishing the ball everywhere. Kelsey had 71 yards. Juju had 74 yards. McKinnon had his 112. Noah had 45. Uh, Pacheco had 23. Marquez Valdez-Scanling only had 20. Um, it was a, it was 20. It was a 20-yard bomb, but I'm just saying it's one of those things where they need to get more out of him. They signed him. You know, I know he's technically only really like a one-year deal, essentially, and it's some incentives, but... They need to get more out of MVS. You know, they need to start calling more deep shots with him. But really, in honesty, I guess I guess his deep shots are really taking away a lot of coverage, so he can open up the underneath. So, I mean, he's at least he's doing something, I guess, productive other than just maybe one catch a game. Um, what else? What else? You know, they ran the ball. Like I said, they ran the ball effectively. Pacheco is a hard runner. He ran for 70 yards. Um, And McKinnon had, you know, 22, but he was mainly in the air. But Pacheco, man, 13 rushes for 70 yards. But you know what? It should have been like close to 20-something rushes because you should have ran the ball once you had 27 points. Once you scored 27, why the fuck are you still passing? 
What more do we need to pass? I know it's the first half still, but what more do we need to pass? Run the damn ball! Jesus Christ, this is the one thing that I've been saying these la this last month is that they quit at the wrong fucking time. It cost you in the Bengals game. You're lucky you played against the Denver Broncos. And it about cost you again. But the moment you get the lead, they're like, okay, now we're going to fucking run the ball. Now it's fourth quarter. Now we want to run the ball. It's 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 annoying. It's, it, it comes back to the coaching decisions when you're like, what are we doing here? <sighs> I love the way Pacheco runs. He's the bruiser back. He's He runs with authority. If you guys saw that that last play that he had just to basically ice the game when he took it all the way you know, past the two-minute warning. I mean, he broke those tackles. He was he trucked, he trucked the defender, and then he was dragging Isaiah Simmons or Justin Simmons. God damn it, I did it again. But still, he drug him, and he 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 just fights. He is a fighter. I I like Pacheco, and Chiefs Kingdom is really really starting to like Pacheco. He's pretty much RB one essentially. O line did a great job. You know they minus that one penalty that they had. You know they they did a great job. They they gave Mahomes all the time in the world. I didn't really. You know, I didn't really see any big issues with Wiley. I mean, there was, you know, there was a few plays, but, you know, that he allowed some pressure. But it wasn't, like, dramatic like it's been all year round. Um, I think I think there's it just depends on how, you know, how they're getting played, essentially. You know, what they're getting asked to do a lot. Um, but they, play, they played hard. That Like I said, that nasty block by Trey Smith, it was beautiful. You loved seeing him just maul. The defenders, Creed had a good game. Joe Tooney had a good game. It was nice to see him back in there. Um, Orlando, like I said, minus the dumb penalty, you know, Orlando did all right. Um, I don't know that situation, how that's going to turn out in the offseason. I think he's going to get franchise tagged again, in my opinion. Um, but, like I said, they, they gave Mahomes forever. But there was times where he just, Mahomes, just dancing, just dancing too much in the pocket. Bro, if you don't see anybody, just throwing in the dirt, man. Just do it. I know that, that that second pick that he threw was, you know, he was trying to throw it in the dirt. It was just an unfortunate play. But, man, just, just, just try to throw some things away, too. One thing I will say, though, is you saw Mahomes, his first read was really to the running backs. I think he just knew that the the the, the secondary was just going to play a certain way. And I, I haven't really I haven't watched the All-22 yet because it hasn't came out. So I don't know specifically what Denver was running. Um, it looked like, you know, there was obviously some, you know, sop, you know, some shell. But uh, I think they were doing a lot of disguises as well. Um. But yeah, no, Mahomes was really just his first read was McKinnon out in the out in the flat all the time. That's why you know it was what it was, and the screens were working. Um, but the offense, man, they stalled. They started stalling, bro. And I and I just don't get why they do this these things. And then Mahomes is throwing picks. The first one, okay, you you know that you know it happens. It happens sometimes. I, I get what he was trying to do. Linebacker just made a great play. Not happy about it, but it happened, and they didn't score on it. They they turned into a score. Second one was unfortunate. Mahomes was trying to throw the ball in the dirt. It hit hit his uh, hit his receiver's foot. Bounced up in the air. A defender had plenty of time to snag it. Unfortunate play, but again. This would have never happened if you would have decided, oh, we're just going to run the ball. I get it. It's, it's not sexy, Andy. I understand. It's not cute. You have the best player in the world, so you just you can't do it. I understand. But you need to fucking start doing it. Or you're going you're gonna to really, really find yourself in situations like this. Or, hey, I'm just totally wrong. They're like, you know what? We're just not showing anything until playoffs. That's just how my philosophy is. That's how it's always going to be. But those interceptions killed. The third one, it was like, Pat, what are you doing? They they scored on all three of them. They did. They scored on all three interceptions. Like I said, they about came back. 
They about came back on us. So, I, I just, that was, it, it was just, it was amazing. It just was amazing how that happened. You know, and, and if they would have just stopped horsing around, just doing stupid shit, RPO after RPO after RPO, and deep pass, deep pass, stupid stuff. It, it put them in the it put them in the in the position they were after they got the big lead and they started to decided they didn't want to run the ball and pass 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 it put them in the position that they were in and another thing is too stop running the same shit everybody knows when got Burton out there in a short short distance what do you think you're gonna do probably full back belly or full back dive. Now, the, the quarterback sneaks work because that's just a high-probability play. But people most of the time know the underhand shovel, the, the little shovel pass to Kelsey in the middle. Most people know the fullback dive. I'm not saying that it can't work anymore, but it's just like, man, if you do it two weeks in a row, people are going to notice these things. Receivers did they think... Like I said, but you know my issue is they they need to start implementing Sky more. I understand he's a rookie and you have guys you know there, but you 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 put you put a date you you put a draft pick into him. You put a day two pick into him. So it, it's it's one of those things where I don't know if. Andy is, you know, I don't know if he's just like he's a rookie. I don't want to put too much on his plate. But these one jet sweeps a game are just not, they're just not going to cut it. There aren't. That's pretty much what I got for the offense. Um, Like I said, it it had its struggles, but they were able to pull it off when it, I guess, when it mattered. Um, Mahomes went 28 out of 42, 352 yards, three touchdowns, and he had the three picks, 86 uh, QB rating. Um, he's still on pace for about 5,300 5, yards, 5,400 yards, whichever, um, about 40-something-odd touchdowns, but now he's up to 13 interceptions on the year, what they're projecting him, which is not what we want. You don't want 13 interceptions, but, you know, it should, you know it's happening, so you just kind of hope that, you know, he can clean it up and not throw, no, throw another pick by the end of the year. All right, so like I said, we're on to the defense now. Um... They got they had six sacks, I believe, on the day. Let's say uh, two. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Hold on, one second. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, half and half. Yep. So they got they had six sacks on the day. Uh, Clark had one. Jones had one. Uh, newcomer Brandon Williams had a half sack. Uh, Mike Dana had one. Darius Harris had the half sack along with Brandon Williams. Um, and Carl Loftus had a sack. So both you're starting, uh, well, three three edge rushers. Well, Dana's kind of a versatile player, but he had a uh, sack. And you're, both your starting edge rushers got a sack. And your uh, starting defensive tackle got one. Um, two, three. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, Mike Dana had one, Carl Loftus had one, Clark had one, and, um, Chris Jones had one, and then Thornhill, Thornhill got one on a blitz, uh, and like I said, Carl Loftus and Brandon Williams had both had the half sacks, but they're getting sacks, they were getting pressure, making Russ uncomfortable most of the game, uh, they were getting after him. Didn't have any complaints with the defense because they were shutting them out. They were shutting them out for the most part until, you know, the lead started getting blown. Now, I will admit, part of that, most of that was pro- – I wouldn't say most. Part of that was Pat's fault. You're, you're, you're turning over the ball after your defense just gives you the ball, and now they're coming back on the field. They have a short field they have to defend. They get scored on because they're gassed. But – they get paid too. You can't blow the lead, not to the Broncos, not to shitty Russell Wilson. You can't fucking do it. So I, they're both to blame. Patrick put his defense in, in a bad situation. So it's a good thing he thanked them at the end of the game, you know, or for most of the game. 
well, he did at the end of the game, but he, you know, for most of how the game kind of went, you know, trying to trying to keep a lead and then trying to maintain it by the end. Um, but like I said, they're getting sacks and pressure. George Karloftis is coming on. I know that there was some questions in the beginning of the season, like is this, you know, was he really worth taking? You know, was there other guys? Uh, but he's got like he's got like four sacks on the season, or he's got like three or four sacks on the season. You know, that's not what a lot of people expected. Some people expected ten. I think I expected six. Um, you know, and which he could very well get. You know, he's at like three or four, so he needs about a couple more, and he can honestly do that in these last four remaining games. Um, this is kind of like how Justin Houston was. Justin Houston didn't get he didn't get a sack until his last the last five weeks of the year. He got one sack in the last remaining five games of the year. So I, I, I'm starting to see George Karloftis come on. It's it's nice. Um, Still wasn't my preference edge rusher in the draft, but, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, and, you know, he's starting to come on when you when you need him. Um, now, again, this comes back to my point about poor coaching decisions and Spagnolo being stubborn. Why are you calling dumbass coverages? I understand you – I understand you want – you want to um, not give up the big play. I understand that. And you want to keep everything in front of you and underneath when it comes to your coverages. But this team is not good in zone. They're not. You don't have players that can get to their zones when they need to be in their zones. I'm sorry. They were better at zone. Their zone defense was a lot better last year. And that's... Sad to say when you had, or a few years ago when you had Ben Neiman and stuff and Sorensen mostly in coverage. But at least those guys knew exactly where they needed to be in their in their zones. You know, they, they just weren't athletic to make the plays, but they knew where they needed to be. At least, you know, at least towards the tail end for Sorensen. Sorensen, you know could make some plays he had the clutch ones but then you know obviously he was what it was but again these stupid coverages man and then and then you know doing an all-out blitz when you don't need to do it you're doing a cover zero all-out blitz i i don't understand that and then you know russ kills you on the play (laughs) stop doing this shit you know, McDuffie, McDuffie, you know, kind of got, you know, turned around on that, you know, that one play he gave up, kind of miscommunication. Then Justin uh, Justin Watson, or not, or Jalen Watson, I should say, thought he had backside safety help on that other one that he gave up. I mean, I understand Spags is working with the young secondary. So make it easier for them. How about you stop running zone, and how about you tell them to man the fuck up? How about we start running cover one or cover, you know, cover one man or cover two man? Stop doing this dumbass zone shit. See, the thing is, what they like to do, Spags likes to show three. If he's in his sub packages, especially in the dime, he likes to show cover three. He will show cover three because he'll have the single high and you'll have, um, uh, he'll have the single high, and then you'll have uh, usually the the strong safety or your box safety kind of dropping into a third, and then you have the uh, you have your other your nickel kind of playing down in the flat, and then you have uh, your Mike kind of playing that middle read, and uh, you have your uh, your other your other safety kind of rotating over. And then it's zone. It's pretty much zone for your corners. He shows the cover three, and then some. And then usually what they drop to, they'll drop to a cover two or a cover four. Stop doing it. You don't need to do it no more. You don't need to do it no more. The one time that they were very successful was with when they were running kind of a man a man slash zone concept is a little bit of their cover five. But the problem when they were running their cover five is the linebackers were biting too much on the play action and they were creeping down too much and the shallow crosses were open. I'm okay with cover five if you can do it if you can do it correctly. 
if you can have your guys man up, five man up underneath. You know, Willie can man up as long as you're not having him guard like the 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 fastest receiver. You can have him do it if you have a tight end as the number two receiver on the uh, on the lineup or when he's in lined. But like I said, they like to use cover three as their show, and then they'll drop into whatever stupid zone coverage after that. I'm okay with cover five, like I said, as long as they can do it correctly. But I prefer just, you know, regular basic basic man. You don't need to do anything stupid. Do anything crazy. I I mean, I know when you're playing a young quarterback, it's it's you want to do this because you want to mix it up, disguise things. But don't make it hard on your secondary. They're young. They don't need all these, they don't need all these dumb, this dumbass fucking, oh, well, I need you to play this, I need you to play that. I don't, I get you want them to be versatile, but you're making it too difficult for them and and it's showing at times. Now, I completely agree with this. I heard, I can't remember what show I was listening to, um, but I believe they need to start running cover six. They need to do cover six, which is a match, cover six match. If you see it on Madden, it's pretty much what it is. So, it's basically what a lot of defenses are starting to do nowadays, which is what Nick Saban does with his defense. It's a quarter-quarter half um, with one of your quarters playing a quarter, your other safety playing quarter, and the other safety's playing half, and your other corner's playing basically flat response, has having flat responsibility. Your Mike is probably playing, he's kind of playing uh, middle read, kind of QB spying depending on the situation and then if you're in dime obviously your third safety is going to you know he's going to have um he's going to either have a flat responsibility or um I should say maybe a third of the field uh, or you're going to buzz him out essentially kind of a third of the field into the uh flats and then um same with uh the nickel the nickel's going to kind of come down and play that that second receiver, uh, either going to play a little bit off or he's going to play a man. And then, um, like I said, the Mike, if he's a solo linebacker and dime, he's going to play the running back if he has, if there's a running back going out in space so he can have him on man. Um, or if you're playing against a running quarterback that you know that's going to move around, you kind of stay as that uh, that. Um, what should I say, that uh, QB spy. It's what Cincinnati did to us. But they rushed three and dropped eight, but their middle their middle guy was their spy. So that's kind of that's kind of how they did their, uh, their cover six, I should say. It's called cover six match. Um, you, it, maybe you will see it on Madden. Uh, I know it's a, I think it is a coverage call on Madden. You should, uh, you should probably find it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, cover six match. That's quarter quarter half is what you're having most of your secondary do. It's a whole other it's a whole other you know concepts that you're having them do too and rotations. But um, that's what a lot of defenses are rolling with nowadays. So I think that we as a defense need to get with the times in order to for us to be better instead of trying to roll out. Oh, I'm just going to do basic cover four quarters and try to just keep everything underneath and get killed. So that's just, you know, when they have guys that are going to kill you with uh, speed and space. So it's just these dumbass coverages that they like to call sometimes. And I don't understand. Uh, and like, and I, I think I already mentioned it, but the, the cover zero, the stupid blitz that they ran and Russ killed them on it. But they fail also on third and forever. They always let teams beat them on third and forever. I, I don't understand. You, you, When it's third and 18, you know that the, the offense is going to get a first down. You just know it. It's like we are the only team to do it every single time. And like I said on that cover zero play, it was third and forever. And you got killed on it. I, uh, it frustrates me so fucking much. Third and forever every single time. And like I said, the defense blew the lead. They couldn't get off the fucking field. It's so annoying. They did have the two interceptions. Sneed had they Sneed had the pick, um, and then I think I I don't know if that was um, I don't know if that was uh, Rippin. That yeah, Rippin was the one 
who threw the pick to Snead, but uh, Willie Gay, who had the pick six, which was beautiful, rushed through that, and uh, it was a blitz. Uh, Willie, I don't know. Willie kind of explained in the post game. He said it was a blitz, but I don't know if he said that he was uh, showing, um, like basically showing a blitz, or he actually was coming down. Uh, but he he read it all the way. He knew what was happening, and he tipped ball to himself, grabbed, snagged, snatched it. Um, one hand snap, well, not one hand snatched it, but one hand tipped it, and then he grabbed it, and then, um, yeah, snagged it, and then he went down, Russ tried to make the tackle, he stiffed the shit out of Russ, um, and then went down, and he scored, so that was nice to see, basically, the defense, kind of basically the only highlight of the defense, and their, their six sacks, um, but they, like I said, they gave up most of that lead, and it, it kind of, you know, masked that, um, what else was going to say? Um, ooh, linebackers, they they played well. Um, I, Nick Bolton was in a flying around, you know, not really hesitating like he did a week ago, uh, making tackles all over the place. Gay was all over the place. Leo Chanel actually had a few good plays. Um, the one thing I think Leo probably needs to just be, I think they just need to make him an edge rusher. You know, just the guy who's just going to rush after the passer. Kind of like what you did with Melvin Ingram a year ago. Because, uh, you know, using him as a a, a rush, uh, like a Sam. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn. If um, you're using him as like a stack Sam, it's, it's he's good. You know, he does, he does what he needs to do in most cases. But it's just like you're hardly ever running three linebacker sets. So it's just kind of like, it's kind of almost a waste of a pick, you know, at this point, if you're going to continue to use him the way you're using him, that's why I think that he just needs to be an extra edge rusher. You know, he can pressure. He's a good guy. He's a guy that can pressure the quarterback. I'm sure. I mean, he did it a lot in, in Iowa, in Iowa at Wisconsin. I was thinking of the game that he played when he played against Iowa and he was blowing up, to, uh, um, uh, Lindenbaum. He was blowing Lindenbaum, you know, up. So I think maybe they just need to figure out what they want to do with Leo because this stack Sam position, this you know, or when you're trying to overhang him a little bit, it's not it's not really working, or it's just not. I wouldn't say it's not really working. It's just not it's not effective to the point where you're going to consistently use it in that way. And Spags is not going to run three linebacker sets in this at this time of the year, anyways, unless you're playing a run heavy team. He's going to continue to run two linebacker or one linebacker sets for mostly most part. Um, but like I said, they were flying around. Uh, the safeties, safeties, Thornhill had a better game. Um, still kind of missing tackles. Um, he had that one missed tackle out in space, but uh, you know he made up. You know he had the he had the sack, uh, and he was kind of playing better in you know some spots. One thing that I think about, you know, him and Justin Reed, I think they need to be switched. I think Justin Reed needs to be primarily your deep safety, and I think you need to make Thornhill play closer to the line of scrimmage. That's just my my opinion. You know, I, I that's where I think that their their strengths are. I mean, Justin Reed was a better safety when he played out in space and deep all the time. That was just kind of him. Um, but they weren't they weren't really a super huge liability as they were you know in the last game um the corners kind of got exposed a little bit but again a lot of it was just miscommunications with the coverages and I think that is again Spagnolo asking too much out of rookie corners when he doesn't need to be asking too much out of rookie corners so a lot of that falls on Spagnolo as well um I've I was really really upset and kind of like I'm done with him yesterday saying a lot of shit I've said this before Spagnolo, like I said the same boat with Andy Spagnolo is a now I don't want to say he's a hall of fame coach but he's done great things in this league he's turned around defenses he's made defenses into Super Bowl defenses and stuff like that um so I, I can't sit here and say that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but there are a lot of things that he asks his team to do that just don't work anymore in today's league. Or it's just too hard for them to understand that they, they just can't grasp onto it. And it's just, I, I just don't understand why, you know, Spagnolo continues to do it. It's, it's again, a stubbornness thing. 
But if something were to happen to Spagnolo, I think my my choice would I would want Fangio as a personal choice. I think he's probably the best defensive coordinator playing today who runs a lot of cover, who runs cover six, who knows how to do it properly too. Um, but I think that this is the reason why they hired Joe Colin. I think if something were to happen to Spagnolo, I think Joe Colin in-house, they, they kind of like to keep things in-house. I think that he would be kind of the front runner. And he will be switching this defensive front to a, a 3-4 because that's what he primarily runs. Um, and a lot of these guys can transition over to the 3-4. Um, Chris Jones was into it, wasn't a 3-4 with Bob Sutton when he was drafted. So, um, you know, putting him back over at 5-tech won't be super hard at all. Um, or if he's lined up head over directly over the tackle at a 4-tech. Um, but the biggest thing is, um, and uh, another side note real, real quick. I was listening to the RGR and they were kind of confused about Chris Jones's monster sack season and saying that they, they thought that that was with Spagnolo. No, that was with Bob Sutton. He had his highest sack season with Bob Sutton, Bob Sutton's last year as defensive coordinator when Chris Jones had the 15 and a half sacks. And that was in a three, four. And uh, this is actual Chris's first year having double digit, double digit sacks um, or this is Spagnolo's first time as a Chiefs defensive coordinator having a player as a double-digit sack guy, and that's Chris Jones this year. So, um, again, like I said, Fangio would be my first choice, but I think Colin would be the actual answer if Spagnolo were to something were to happen to him. And hate to break it to you guys. Spagnolo was uh, here when we won a Super Bowl. I think at this point, I think Spagnolo is kind of here until he doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, unless something like drastically were to be with the defense to where they were just they were just thirty two and they were giving up they were giving up so much points and not getting off the field all the time on third down, like the like the twenty eighteen defense. Um, with uh, Bob Sutton because that defense was horrible. It was horrible. They got sacks and turnovers at times, but they they were horrible overall. So if it, something were to be as dramatic as that, then I think they would uh, need to kind of change that. But you know, for the most part, I think you know they're gonna keep they're gonna roll with Spags until he you know he wants to you know wants to be done. Um. But they're, you know, you're letting Jerry Judy, you know, score on you like this, you know, when he shouldn't be scoring on you. You're letting Marlon Mack score on you when he shouldn't be scoring on you. You're letting Russell Wilson do things to you when he shouldn't be doing things to you like this. You know, it's so funny that this is the most that the Broncos offense has scored all year round, and we happen to be the first team to allow them to do that. But the Broncos also had a great defense. And this is the most points that their defense has given up all year. Granted, you expect our offense. You expect our offense to dominate, to be dominant, and still put up points, even though their defense is dominant. But you don't expect their shitty offense to play the way that they played against our defense. You don't expect that. It should have never happened. Should have never happened, and it happened. And that's where a lot of these issues, you know, tend tend to come. Um, you know, the Broncos offensive line was battered. So, you know, that's things should have, you know, some things should have never happened. I mean, they were shutting down the run game for the most part. I mean, they didn't, you know, they, I mean, they didn't run a whole lot. Latavius Murray had 32 yards. Marlon Mack had 15 and Russ had 57. So it wasn't really like, you know, they weren't really letting the run gash them like they did in recent past, but still, and Russ got knocked out of the game. You know, and he had that fat goose egg on his head after Frank Clark knocked him out, essentially. Well, I guess he, you know, I think he kind of knocked himself out, out, but Frank Frank hit him, like landed on him afterwards. He had that fat-ass goose egg on the side of his head. Um, but Brett Rippin, Rippin came in and, you know, it just, you know, he went four, four for eight attempts at 16 yards, but he had the one touchdown in the back of the end zone to damn Jerry Judy. Or whoever that was at the back of the end zone, I can't fucking remember. 
Um, yeah, it was Jerry Judy because he uh, had that. Uh, he had three touchdowns. So, and it was after Jerry Judy threw a fucking temper tantrum on the damn fucking sideline. So, it, it's just one of those things, man. I I just don't understand why you know we allow this to happen to us. It is a divisional opponent. I understand, but. It should have never happened against the Broncos. They're a horrible team. Hackett's losing his job at the end of the year. That they're a horrible team. Um, what else was I gonna say? Um, but yeah, we we closed out the game. We finished it finally. Um, had to get out there. Uh, that's fourteen now straight. Fourteen now straight to Denver. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tally it up real quick because I I'm bad at counting. I don't really want to do the counting in my head. So um, one in fifteen, two and sixteen, two and seventeen, two and eighteen, two and nineteen, two and twenty, two and twenty one, and one in um one in uh twenty two. Now Mahomes is ten and zero against Denver. One, two, three. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, 14 and 0. I figured it was 14 and 0, but I wanted to double check. We're 14 and 0 against Denver. Mahomes is 10 and 0. That's a that's a streak. You got to continue that sh- that dominant streak over Denver. You got to keep solidifying who you are against that team. Especially as for as long as they, you know, they keep Russell Wilson, you know, and however they try to build around him. Because he's going to be here for at least the next two to three years in this division. So, they got to figure that out. Greg Dolchitz is a good tight end for for Denver. I really like Greg Dolchitz. I wish we drafted him. Um, You shouldn't allow him to be do what he was doing either. And that's kind of what I was getting really annoyed with at times. Uh, Well, that's pretty much kind of it as far as the offense defense goes special teams they couldn't complain about them they had a decent game uh bucker was on two for two on his field goals tommy Townsend had a, a great punt game the only thing that i will say is that i wish that he would make the balls the, the balls i hope he'd make the uh them go out of bounds I, you know, it just you're still giving these players opportunities to catch the ball and you know potentially try to pop one, even though you're you're hitting it deep, um, or you know maybe you know doing too many touchbacks, but I you know maybe try to get them out, maybe try to hit it out of bounds so you can just pin them instead of just doing that. I think a lot of that's Dave Tobe still just being who he is and asking him to do certain things, but. Anyways, for the most part, special teams, I couldn't complain about them. They didn't fuck up like they have been in recent recent games, so that was good. And the highlight of really what, you know, what we liked was Mahomes being Superman, doing the crazy no-look sidearm to uh, Jarek McKinnon, and then doing the pretty much scramble drill and tossing the ball to Juju in the back of the end zone. So that's, that's pretty much Mahomes-esque. Uh, I don't know... If he lost the MVP at this point, I really don't care. I just want the one seed, and I want a strong playoff run, and I want a crack at the Super Bowl again because I want this team to be in Glendale at the end of the year, and I want them to basically get their ultimate goal, what they've been working so hard for. Um, Because at the end of the day, this is about Lombardi's. This team is built to be a – this team under Mahomes – will always try to compete for a Super Bowl because they have set that standard for themselves. And as a fan base, even though sometimes we can be toxic at times, especially on Twitter after losses and even ugly wins, we have expectations for this team as well as they have expectations for themselves. As long as 15 is under center, we expect this team to compete for a Super Bowl every year. Now, I know... Most teams, well, every team should want to compete for a Super Bowl. But let's be realistic: a team could say they want to compete for the Super Bowl, but they don't have the right system, they don't have the right coach, they don't have the right quarterback, they don't have the right anything. So you can sit here and say, "Well, our goal is to make it the Super Bowl." But they ain't gonna make jack shit. This team right here, the Kansas City Chiefs, their goal, as long as fifteen is gonna be under center, your objective is going to be trying to make the Super Bowl. Every single year. Compete for the Super Bowl every single year. 
Kansas City Chiefs, they got the dub yesterday. It was an ugly win, but a win nonetheless. They advanced to 10-3. and three. We have the Seattle Seahawks, or not the Seattle Seahawks, we have the Houston Texans coming up. That's going to be a Kansas City takeover. I'm going to that game. It's going to be fun. We're going to get that preview of that game out in the next coming days. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, Chiefs Kingdom. Stay positive. We're going to be all right, I believe. Um, just fix up some of the little penalties, little mistakes that we've made. Um, and just a lot of it's all self-inflicted. So if we can kind of fix that, we'll be good. So Chiefs Kingdom, with that being said, the connect is always real. <laughs>